You're listening to The Open Podcasts. It's never bothered me that people think of that as the Open that Tom Watson didn't win. It's a wonderful, wonderful putt by Tom Watson. Instead of the Open that Stuart Sink did win. Stuart Sink, here it goes! Wednesday night in bed with my wife, I said, you know, I can win this thing. Age was not a factor at all. I didn't want to be completely inundated with all the voices that were rooting for Tom. Watson putting for birdie on 11. It's beautiful. It's oh, in. Oh, wonderful. He's back. When you say 09 Turnberry, the first image that comes to your mind, I think, is going to be Tom Watson. Tom Watson is a 10-foot putt to win the Open Championship. I've never been in a playoff against a guy like Tom Watson that is going to be the 100% crowd favorite. Well, Stewart did what he had to do, and I didn't. On the tee from the USA, Stuart Singh. It's July 2009, day one of the Open Championship. Alabama-born Stuart Sink is on the first tee, and that appreciative but modest ripple of applause was something the American would grow used to during a week in which others firmly overshadowed him, including a five-time Open champion beloved by the crowds, Tom Watson. Go on, Tom. What a wonderful, wonderful day. We know Tom Watson's story. At age 59, he looked set to become the oldest Open champion ever and the oldest winner of any major. But that fairy tale ending remains unwritten. Instead, it was the name of Stuart Sink that was to be engraved on the old claret jug. This is for a birdie, maybe to win the Open. Stuart Sink, and it goes! I'm Hazel Irvin, and this is Stuart Sink's story of the 2009 Open Championship. When I came to Turnberry, I had just spent a week in Ireland with my kids, who at the time were 12 and 15. And it was the first time they had really ever played Lynx golf. They both played golf a little bit growing up. It wasn't their main sport, but it was the first time I ever got to show my kids Lynx golf. And it was a real joy, and we had a great time, and they loved it. And we just had a blast. And we had such fun that we extended our trip an extra day, so we didn't even arrive at Turnberry until Tuesday. And that's a little bit out of the ordinary for me. 36-year-old Sink arrived in Scotland with his wife, Lisa. This week, he was destined to become the Open champion who somehow spoiled the party. It was just a a funny week because we got there late and you never get to a a major, you know, past Monday. But we made those choices and and we did. And Stuart was sick that week. I don't know if he mentioned that, but swine flu was going around at the time. And I was convinced that that's what he had. So we spent a good bit of time in the medical trailer early in the week. Thankfully, he got to feeling better. Illness wasn't the only worry for the Sinks. Stewart had ascended to a career-high fifth place in the world rankings only the previous summer. But it had not been a vintage 12 months since then in the lead-up to Turnberry. And enough was enough. From the second half of 08 through the early part of 09, where I was really struggling and um, frustrated, and it really was a down point in my career. I remember one particular moment I was playing with Zach Johnson, who's my best friend on the PGA Tour. We were playing together on Saturday at Sawgrass, and I was having trouble driving the ball. I was having trouble with my putting, and I shot about five over, and I missed the Saturday cut playing with my best buddy, and that was kind of a low point for me. And after that round, is the, that's when I decided to make some changes. Those changes would come with help from a sports psychologist, Morris Pickens, or as Stuart calls him, Dr. Moe. 
a year prior to us starting together in Tampa, we just happened to be in a practice round together one day. And I said, hey, if you ever you know, thought about talking to someone, uh, I'd be interested in you interviewing me and seeing if we might be a match. And he said, I appreciate it, but I already work with a guy and so I'm good. And so I said, hey, no worries. And so that would have been in 2008. And then in 2009, he played really poor at the Players Championship missed the cut. So that Sunday evening, I got a call. He just said, Hey, are you ready for a, a big job? And I said, yeah, I've been waiting on this phone call for a year. I'm more than ready. And I've always been really into the psychological side of golf and the mental, emotional side of things. And, you know, when you are playing against players who all have similar skill sets, I mean, we can all drive the ball long and fairly straight. The short game, the putting, the irons, the the pieces are all there. There's got to be some intangible that separates you from the rest. That, that's the reason that I've always tried to focus really hard on like the mentality of golf. You know, what we were working on and what he had called me about specifically was just his putting uh, and he was pretty lost. And when you watched him on the putting green, because, you know, once I become interested in a guy, I pay attention if I'm around them when they're practicing. You know, once I watched him practice on the putting green, it was not very good. Put simply, Sink was struggling. Two top ten finishes all season, he'd jettisoned the belly putter that he'd largely wielded for the previous six years and was casting around for confidence. Indeed, a chance meeting on the eve of the Open Championship shows exactly what he thought of his hopes that week. I had arrived late on Tuesday, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I got in 18 holes quickly. I wasn't really into my game that much because I was still feeling that high from you know how much fun we had a few days before and telling the stories and all that. And so um, after the round, I walked over to the range, and on the way over there, I ran into Mike Tirico, who you guys probably know. He's uh, one of the lead American TV hosts in sports, and so he and I are friends from a long time ago. And on the way over there, we stopped and just kind of exchanged our quick pleasantries for a minute or two, and, and we said our goodbyes. And then I walked on 20 or 30 yards down the road, and he turned around and said, Oh, yeah, Stewie, you got anything this week? Meaning, you know, how's your game? Can I expect anything out of you? And I said, Mike, I don't have anything right now. That's kind of the state of where my golf game was in my head and my heart. Good morning and welcome to an extraordinary morning on the Ayrshire Coast, the start of the 138th Open Championship. Over 23,000 fans travelled to the famous Ailsa course for round one on Thursday, many intrigued to watch the return of three-time champion and favourite Tiger Woods. On the tee from USA, Tiger Woods. As for the crowd's sentimental favourite, that was a certain old geezer. On the tee from USA, Tom Watson. Almost considered an honorary Scot by now, he'd claimed four of his five open titles on Scottish courses. The now 59-year-old Tom arrived in Ayrshire just nine months after undergoing hip surgery. And as for capturing the claret jug again, Watson was on no one's shortlist, except perhaps his own. I had a really good feeling on Wednesday night that things were going to be really good. And I really had three reasons I could win. First of all, I was playing well, putting well. Second of all, I played, uh, I think that was my sixth major championship I had played at Turnberry. 95% of the, the field had never played it before. And thirdly, and most importantly, was that the winds were going to change. They were going to change on Friday to a strong northwest wind, the type of wind that Greg Norman shot 63 three putt in the last two holes. And I shot 75, and I said, man, I, shot, I played a great, what, 60, 63? Impossible. 
And I had played that golf course with that type of wind and knew how, how to play it. And the rest of the field didn't know. Wednesday night in bed, my wife, I said, you know, I can win this thing. You know, age was not a factor at all. The early blue skies have given way to grey, but the amazing thing is that Tom Watson birdied the first and the third, the winner back in 1977, now knocking 60. I knew the first day and Thursday is going to be no wind. Let me get off to a good start, and I think I birdied one and three. And, you know, I got, un I got under early and stayed there and played a really good round of golf. Tom Watson at one under now, a birdie putt though, and he's got it. Well, well, well. <laughs> Very pleased with that one, little familiar tip of the cap. That's on nine. Watson putting for birdie on 11. It's beautiful. He's oh, in. Oh, wonderful. He's back. Goes to three under par. Thursday was flat calm, and a lot of people shot pretty low. And uh, the, I just remember the course was just magnificent. Eighth and Stuart Sink is such an awkward one. Oh, I didn't think that ball was going to get any Straight to the middle, Tom Watson on top of the leaderboard. Greg Norman last year at 53, Tom Watson 59, four under par. A glorious start for Watson as he set about chasing down Harry Varden's record of six open wins. In truth, few expected the oldest man in the field to maintain the pace. But how we revelled anyway in the memories his early form was stirring. Memories in particular of Tom's most celebrated open win right here at Turnbury in 1977 after a duel in the sun. Yeah, so a two for Watson, a par three for Nicholas. They're level with three to play. We were just thinking now, won't it be nice to have two putts from about three feet for the Open Championship and suddenly young master Watson has to pull himself together and pop his in to be champion. This for the championship. Yes, well, well, well. It was absolute drama to the end. I don't think I've seen anything better than that in my life, and neither of you. 32 years later, Jack Nicklaus wasn't duelling with Tom. He was willing him on instead. Well, at 59, at age 59, I remember Tom shot 65 the first round. And I was not a texter back then. I had my wife text for me. And so Tom shot 65, we texted him, and told him what a great round he played, and then we text him every day. And, uh, you know, we were, we were watching it very closely. I don't ever watch golf, and I watched virtually every shot of it. No wonder Nicholas was glued to the TV. As well as Tom's age-defying antics, that first day was fascinating. The ever-popular, cigar-wielding Spaniard Miguel Angel Jimenez carded a red-hot round. It's almost exactly the putt Jack Nicholas holds. 1977, and he's got it! <laughs> Jimenez takes the lead. The 1989 Open champion, Mark Calcavecchia, who won at Troon just up the coast, was getting all nostalgic. 461 yards now, this 18th, and he's found the target. Very good shot indeed from Calcavecchia. But another Claret Jug winner, Tiger was struggling. Don't do it. Don't do it. It did it. Got you. And two Englishmen set out, aiming to break their duck in the majors. Lee Westwood and Ross Fisher. For me, the Open Championship is the biggest and the best tournament I will ever play in, especially as a Brit, as an Englishman. You know, you watch over the years all the Open Championship. It's, it's the one tournament that you want to be in every year, and it's for sure the one that I would love to win the most out of anything 
I could ever possibly play in. No, I'd not played a, a tournament or anything at, at Turnbury, but that was my first real encounter of it when I had a practice round the week before. Come on, come on, come on. In it goes, Lee Westwood. Hat-trick of birdies to start the 138th Open Championship tournament leader. There were squally showers came through and, yeah, it wasn't the easiest uh, scoring week. It was just a case of trying to grind out cars. But there was one man who was taking it all in his stride almost as if he'd been there, done that, and seen it all before, which of course he had. Here they come, down the 18th. Tom Watson walking side by side with a man who is 43 years his junior. Matteo Manassero having a nice chat, and then it, the Italian stands back and joins in in the applause. It's a nice touch from him. They're standing back and letting Watson take this standing ovation from the 18th green. Here we are, Tom Watson, this for 65. Stroke. Go on, Tom. What a wonderful, wonderful goal. 65. What extraordinary. Tom Watson leads the open. That's wonderful. 65 from Tom Watson without a bogey, five birdies, and he saves part of the last from a short distance of five feet to boot. That's the story of the day for me. I still enjoy playing the game, and as I said, uh, playing against the kids is, uh, is always the great challenge for me, and I still feel like I have a chance. Whilst the focus was elsewhere, the unfancied Stuart Sink, who'd been rated 66 to 1 for the title before the start, was attempting to better his highest open finish of a tie for sixth two years earlier at Carnoustie. The tall, rangy American looked very comfortable, posting an eye catching 66 to finish two shots off the lead going into Friday. I just played freely. I never thought of Turnberry as being a course where you had holes to make scores on and had holes to play more defensive and just get through. I, I just felt like the, the conditions toughened so much on Friday and held that way through Sunday that every hole, every shot really was a challenge. And you had to just maintain your composure everywhere, even on what are considered to be the easier holes. And so uh, Turnberry was one of those courses where it wasn't going to give up much in the way of scores, but you had to stay focused and you had to stay on top of yourself and your composure on each shot or it was going to bite you. Quick putt here from Stuart Sink, it will break a little bit to the right. Walks it in, sink into the red. 36 years old, turned pro in 95, world ranking 33. Had a very good career, not a prolific winner, but a very good classy player. Good breadwinner. Yeah, absolutely. There's guys out there that have great players that just mentally fold when conditions get really tough and um, it happens to everybody from time to time. But that's when you relish your experience and I've played many opens in the past. I know what to expect. I know what the course is going to react like to my shots. So no surprises and I felt like that I had a good chance that I could maybe just beat people with experience and with my attitude. Uh, Tom Watson, this to tie the lead. It's not sure. It's not sure. Hello! I understood what it meant, but it still, I kept myself, as I always had kept myself when I have a chance to win the golf tournament, I kept myself in the frame of mind that, you know, I've got a job to do. And let's go do the job. He didn't prepare any differently and just, I'm not superstitious. Sat in the locker room with, with Neil Oxman and my caddy and uh, he made it clear that this was a pretty special moment. And I said, well, I understand that. I'm not stupid. I understand what's going on here. But again, I've got a job to do and see if I can go out and do it. 
I'd love to know his mental state at the moment. You know, 59 years of age, leading the Open, going into the third round. Is he nervous? Is he apprehensive? Or is he saying, this is just fantastic, I'm going out here, I'm going to win it again? I know I would be panicking, but then I never want to know. As unexpected as Tiger not making the cut for the first time ever in an Open after a tortuous second round, Tom Watson went into Saturday joint top of the leaderboard, alongside unheralded fellow American Steve Marino. Associated Press journalist Doug Ferguson has covered golf for over three decades, and he was as surprised as anyone that Watson's pursuit of Open Championship history was still very much on. I mean, you went straight from Tiger, who's, who's the star of, of the circus every time it, it rolls into town, to Tom Watson, who is a, is a historic star. And it goes from, well, this is fun to see the old geezer, as Tom said, to can this really happen? I, th- I still think there was some doubts on Saturday. I mean, you've still had the odd occasion where, where somebody will, will post a good 36-hole score and it's nostalgic and it's wonderful and you let your mind wander and you hope. Uh, but reality sets in and you think, yeah, Saturday's a, a big day and that's kind of where they start to fall back a little bit and then, and then the Open is handed back over to youth. And it's just that that didn't happen. Hit it, Tom, hit it. He has. That's a brilliant putt, a brilliant putt. It's so easy to miss that left and low. Tommy Ball's got his putting boots on. Saturday, I played with almost no pressure on me at all. He was kind of like a walk in the park. I mean, I, even though I, you know, I was there, I had confidence in my swing. I had confidence in my putting. And I made those two long putts at 16 and 18. And, and man, here we go. He's right in that back corner there, Watson. Beautiful strike. Just down the right side, a little draw. Watson at the 16th. Oh, he held one here yesterday. Can he do it again? Just a little high. Great effort, but Tom Watson goes back into the, into the lead again. He's four under. One shot ahead. As mesmerised crowds marvelled at Watson's progress, Stuart Sink quietly moved to one under par on Saturday, taking him three shots off the lead. I interviewed Stuart many times that week after his rounds, and he always seemed at ease, quietly delighted and thankful to be in the mix, respectful of the other plot lines dominating the attentions of the world's media. Indeed, Sink barely got a mention. But there was one moment that Stuart felt was crucial. I'll pick out one particular shot that you'd probably be surprised by. And it goes back to Saturday. I was playing with Westwood and we've played together. You know, we have pretty long history playing together in Ryder Cups and majors and we're almost the same age. So we have parallel careers. And I was playing with Westwood on Saturday and I'm still in this little bubble, this Watson bubble, you know, this, you know, <laughs> contentment Watson. I've got these new putting things that I'm like trying out. It's still kind of like test driving a new car in a way. And I get to the seventh hole and I hit two really nice shots on the green, 30 feet, almost make an eagle. And I have about a two footer for birdie. And as we know, playing golf, a two foot putt when it's windy like that is no gimme. And I missed. And under normal circumstances, being in a high position in a major on Saturday and having a miss like that would probably have just sent me off the deep end. But in that moment, it didn't bother me one bit. And I 
picked myself right up and moved on to the next hole. And I don't remember what I did, you know, the next few holes, but I do know that I was not off the deep end. In fact, I, I remained like firmly in my composure. And that putt right there was a key for me because of not what it meant to me. Like, obviously you think about the putt on the 18th hole that, you know, raising the putter and all that stuff. That's a big moment. But for myself, a bigger moment was the miss on Saturday on the seventh hole. Going along nicely, Stuart Sink. The one over today, one under for the championship, right in the thick of it. A couple things happened that I think really were beneficial. And probably the biggest one was everybody was so interested in Tom that Stuart just kind of flew under the radar all week until the very, very end. I mean, I don't even know that he was shown on the coverage till probably the middle of the back nine on Sunday, even though he was probably in the top 15 the entire week. So one is having all of the emphasis on Tom Watson, you know, definitely made it easier for him. And it gave him actually something to focus on because he was kind of interested in it too. And he was like, wow, this is really cool and kind of watching him. And so I think that helped. Keep the old boy down, can you? On his own, Richie, on his own. On his own, 18 to play. Well, what you can't see on radio or the web, if you're listening or watching, is the crowd standing up. Watson's got his cap off and he's got a smile uh, the size of the Ayrshire coast from ear to ear. And so he should. That gap-toothed smile that we've seen for all these years, the famous Watson grin, is in full flow. Tom Watson's involvement kept me distracted. That's the only thing I could come up with. I, 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 I get nervous playing golf. I think everybody does. If, they, if golfers say they don't, they're just lying. Who wouldn't be nervous, you know, in the top ten of, of the leaderboard of an open championship? But I think Tom Watson's involvement was enough of a distraction where it kept me focused on something else other than what I was doing or what I could mess up. <laughs> and so I still had that bit of fragility in my psyche from the last year or so of poor play, but I was starting to build in new positive feelings. And, and I'm talking about the contentment that I built up the week before in Ireland, playing with the kids and just in a glow over that, having so much fun. And the new work I've been doing with Morris Pickens, changing the whole putting routine and seeing some good results there and learning that I didn't have to be into the results to have good results. So that, that Tom Watson's presence really is what I, I can put my finger on. Here comes the moment. And Tom Watson isn't going to take too long. Just like in 1977, in it goes, the final putt. Tom Watson is your leader at the end of the third round of the Open Championship. He's the oldest man ever to lead a major. Now he's the oldest man ever to lead a major going into the last round. Quite extraordinary, Tom. What a day. Well done. Now we're just a day away, and again, we're talking about Tom Watson, and we're talking about not only Turnberry, but just Lynx Golf. And frankly, what did it for me was listening to Tom. I mean, it's one thing to, to watch him, but listening to Tom talk about the way we were thinking, about, yeah, let the old geezer have his day in the sun. And now, can this really happen? But when Tom said, I feel good about what I'm doing and I feel good about my game plan, and who knows it might happen. You could tell that he was starting to believe, and that made you believe. You know, the first day here, uh, yeah, let the old geezer have his day in the sun, you know, 65. <laughs> the second day said, well, yeah, that's okay. Now today, you kind of perk up yours, hey, this old geezer might have a chance to win the tournament. I feel good about my game plan, and uh, who knows, it might happen. 
I feel like I'm in a time warp. <laughs> it's just, it's well, so... well, listen, wake up and smell the coffee because he's know. leading this Open Championship and he's got a big shout tomorrow, Tom Watson, uh, to create history. Ian, just uh, while we catch our breath, they're writing us down where we are right now. Seven players are under par in the Open Championship with one more round to go. Tom Watson is four under par. Matthew Gogging is three under par. Ross Fisher of England is three under par. Lee Westwood of England is two under par. Jeeve Goosen of South Africa is two under par. And then two Americans, Jim Furyk and Stuart Sink. Waiting on the first tee. Stuart Sink alongside fellow American Bryce Mulder. Stuart Sink's been mentioned a couple of times just as a someone who could challenge. He's one of those quietly likes Lynx golf, been plodding along steadily under the radar. It's Sunday, and Tom Watson, at 59 years old, leads one of the oldest and most prestigious championships in any sport by a single shot going into the final round. Holiday from USA, Tom Watson. News of Watson's famous fairy tale in waiting has spread around the world. It seems like everyone wants it to come true. It's no longer a golfing story. It's transcended that. It's one for the oldies everywhere. And it's one for the ages. Fans at Turnberry urged Watson on. They willed him to win, knowing Tom still had the skill, daring to believe he still had the stamina to claim another major over a quarter of a century after his last. Locals Bob Dixon and his young son Sam were part of the crowd on that incredible Sunday. The audience, the, stand, the fans were, were ecstatic. Um, there were people from all over the world. When I was sat next to Australians, um, you know, Irish people, the, the contingency was wonderful. Tom was uh, effectively uh, playing to become the oldest Open champion. And there was a tangible feeling that we were about to perhaps witness uh, history being made. I remember my dad, he was taking it super seriously. I was a bit like, what's going on? Obviously, as a 12-year-old boy, I was like, calm down, don't worry, it's not like life or death. But that's the sort of thing, that's the emotions that play with this Open because you get so emotionally attached and invested in the golfers, in what's going on, that you just want the best and you, you like, you go into it as though like you're actually playing that game. Obviously, as a, as a 12-year-old boy, you're not really aware of all the emotions in the world. You've still got a lot of growing up to do, but you could feel the power of the emotions, the elation, the excitement, the... Uh, stress. I just remember it being a, a very long day, a very dramatic day, a lot of changes, a lot of twists and turns. Well, those twists and turns began with Watson himself. Dressed in a sky blue sweater, black trousers and polo shirt, the overnight leader made a faltering start. What a big moment for Tom Watson, the very first hole, 10, 11 foot of repair. Tom, what? Anyone Four. can see your face there, Gordon. <laughs> you were grimacing at this part. I'm wishing him to hold it. I'm wishing him to. Four and a half feet for a par on the third hole after a lovely little pitch up. The ball's on its way, and unfortunately, he's dragged it left and it's missed the cup. There were so many people. Obviously, you know, Chris Wood had a chance of winning. Tom Watson had a chance of winning. Westy did. Matt Goggin did. I did. It's definitely going to be a day of toing and froing. Open Championship leader Ross Fisher, having missed the second green to the left-hand side, has played an amazing shot. He has holed it from 60 yards off the left-hand side of the second green, and he leads the Open Championship by two shots. Chris Wood at the 10th for a birdie. Down starts to turn. Is it too high? No, it's not. 
two under. The lengthy leg strikes again. Well, that eagle putt for Lee Westwood, and he's got it. An eagle for Lee Westwood on the par five seventh, and Westwood takes the lead in the Open Championship. Holiday from USA, Stuart Singh. So I don't remember feeling too much adrenaline. I had a great pairing on the last day too for me. Um, Bryce Mulder, who is since retired from golf, but went to Georgia Tech where I went. We knew each other really, really well. And so we had a super comfortable pairing that day. We could chat about things other than golf and we had a nice time. And so I don't remember being all that anxious or, uh, or jacked up on the first tee. I, I don't really remember that picking up until somewhere in the back nine when I saw the leaderboard that I was right up there near the top and then Watson was up there near the top and my focus around number 12 or 13 shifted from, I wonder what Watson's going to do today to, all right, you have business to take care of. <laughs> Stuart Sink, this to get within one. Always hold it. And Stuart Sink goes to two under power. Birdie on 13, one under for the day, two under for the championship. Just one behind. We had one couple friend with us that they lived in England and came over to hang out with us. And just having that little bit of ally, someone else rooting for him was wonderful. So it was kind of a sounding board because when I'm nervous, I tend to, I want to chat or clean or something. And um, there was nothing to clean out there. So chatting was was the only option. So it was nice to have someone else to to talk to and to share this with. But all the love that everyone was showing for Tom didn't feel like a negative at all. One of the most charming men you could possibly meet is Tom Watson just slowly wandering away and walking the walk. Walking the walk and he talks the talk as well, Ron. That's the most important thing. But lapping up the cheers and the crowd, everyone encouraging him. Walking and trying to keep kind of keeping your concentration, but also acknowledging how wonderful the crowd was to me. Every tee, you know, walking down. I'm one of those guys that Jack said when I played against him in the World Series of Golf, he said, he's a young kid, he's got his blinders on like this. He knows where he's going. It's hard not to acknowledge the warmth that the crowd was, was giving me through throughout the entire, the entire tournament. To enjoy exclusive open content, Join the One Club for free today. In addition to exclusive content, as a member of the One Club, you'll get priority access to tickets, receive exclusive offers, and get the chance to win competitions 365 days a year. Get even closer to the Open. Join the One Club today at theopen.com. So, the leader of the Open with three holes remaining is Tom Watson. Wow. Two under par. Lee Westwood back at one under par. Chris Wood now tied for second with Westwood and Stuart Sink and Matthew Goggin at one under par. Could it be any more nail biting than this? It's history beckoning for Tom Watson. Watson, four feet it is on 16, two under par. A lot of people not looking at this. It is difficult, but in it goes with some certainty, I have to say. Straight into the middle. Tom was after it right away, so it's a par. On that sunny, breezy afternoon, Tom Watson, Lee Westwood and Australian Matt Goggin traded blows, vying for the outright lead. Whilst up ahead, Stuart Sink, distinctively clad in lime green cap and shirt, white trousers and black sweater, approached the 18th 
in final hole. A birdie there could take him to two under par, earn him the clubhouse lead and perhaps still give him a shot at the claret jug. When we came to 18 on the 72nd hole on Sunday, I had hit the fairway or maybe I was just in the intermediate rough, but I hit a good tee shot. Excellent tee shot, just running through the fairway. And I had a pretty straightforward approach and the pin was in the place where the balls tend to kind of collect to, kind of in the middle or right half of the green. And my caddy and I just worked out the math perfectly and we determined that I think I was 195 to the flag maybe. But that 5 to 15 yard zone was a perfect zone for me to hit a, a 9 iron to. 191 yards to go, 9 iron for Stewart sinks straight downwind here. And I hit the 9 iron, landed in the zone and carried right on there after the bounce, perfectly pin high. And so I was really proud that in that moment where there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of things that could go wrong that we stuck to the game plan 100% and executed the shot just like the plan and it worked out. Very good shot, getting ever closer towards the flag and he'll have a putt of around 12 feet for a birdie that would see him finish at two under par and you never know, two under par could be the winning score. What a shot and what a time to play it for Stuart Sink. Now Stuart Sink, I'd have to say this is the most crucial part of his career so far. This to tie for the lead. You know what, to be honest, I was celebrating before I even made contact with the putt. Uh, and when I stand up and I'm about to walk into the ball, something came over me that, and I, this is odd timing, but I kind of started laughing a little bit. And I called my caddy over there, and he probably thought I wanted one last check for the read or something, but I called Frank over and I said, Frank, you know that routine I've been working on, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, do you think now's a good time to abandon that? And I was smiling. I was being sarcastic, making a joke. And he said, no, I think you should need to do one more. Do one more routine. <laughs> this is for a birdie, maybe to win the Open. Stuart Sink, and it goes! And he's dancing on the 18th green, he's punching the air. And maybe, just maybe, it could be good enough for the American. It was sweet contact. The ball took off right on line. It was good speed all the way. And I knew it was in when it was halfway there. There's no way it was going to miss. It was really one of the, it was one of the sweetest feelings I've ever experienced in golf. They're on their feet, he raises his lime green cap. The sun is shining on the 18th green right now for Stuart Sink, two under par. What a birdie. It was amazing. And you know what I loved most about it was seeing his reaction. To see him feel so good about the way he played and about making that putt on that stage at that time after the culmination of his career thus far, that was what was so special about it for me, was seeing that exuberance on his face after a very interesting week. A magical putt at the last, a round of 69 and a two under par finish. Sure, Sink was heading for his best ever open finish, but few thought of him as the champion in waiting here. Instead, with Aussie Matt Goggin out of contention following three straight bogeys, attention bore down like spotlight beams on Messrs Watson and Westwood, who could both finish ahead of sync. Rob Westwood for par. Must hold this to have a chance at the Open Championship 2009. The par putt for Westwood to remain two under par is missed on the left-hand side. Westwood, not to be this year. Not to be this year. I mean, we knew all the publicity was around Tom and him playing so well at 59. We'd had a new hip and stuff like that, but 
I could easily have won it with a different roll of the dice, but I did everything right at the time. And fortune wasn't on my side for them final four rolls, really. So, you know, just one of them things. As Westwood was left to rue the three-putt at the 18th, all eyes turned again to eight-time major champion Tom Watson. A carefully crafted birdie at the 17th thrilled the galleries and moved the man from Kansas City to three under par, one shot ahead of sink. It's a birdie. Yeah, oh, in it goes. On, well done, Tom. Tom Watson, leader once again. And so as he stood on the 18th tee, Watson knew that a record-equaling sixth Open title was within his grasp. A title that would make him the oldest winner at 59 of any major in history was within his power. The final paragraph of one of the greatest stories in sport was about to be written. All he needed was a par at the last. They're already acclaiming Tom Watson down here at the other end of the 18th. He's just walked onto the cut portion of fairway. That clever little Segway machine with the two wheels has got its camera trained on Tom Watson. The tee shot was exactly the way I wanted to hit it. He hit a beautiful drive on 18 right down the center. And so I kind of felt like it was probably over. The second shot, 187 yards down a strong wind, and I hit it. I had a flashback to 77, as I said before. It's coming right down the stack. Right down the stack. And right up. It wasn't left of it or right of it. It was coming right down the stack. And I uh, said, hmm, not like that. And let's just hope it stays on the green because there's a lot of wind behind me. We continue to watch, and then, you know, the ball landed on the green. It flew on the green. And that 5 to 15-yard zone was where you needed to land it to be pin high. And as soon as the ball pitched on the green, I mean, as soon as it touched the green in the air, I, I told the boys, it just flew out of my mouth. That's long. The crowd was, you know, going bananas. And I said, all right, all right. And then they go, oh. <laughs> and uh, I knew it had gone over. I, I don't know how to explain that, really. I mean, Tom... His golf is not the kind of golf that gets affected a lot by adrenaline because of his just his mechanics. He doesn't have a very handsy swing. He's really smooth, and I find it hard to believe that he carried that ball surprisingly far. I think he knew exactly how far he was carrying it. I just I can only explain it that maybe he was just overwhelmed a little bit by the situation, and then it was a tough place to be. I mean, it was on television. It didn't look like that severe a place to be, but if you walk over there and drop a ball right now and try to get up and down from back there. It's, it's, a, it's not an easy place to get up and down from, especially under the circumstances. With his putter, Tom Watson needs to get it close, 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 and it's not close, it's not close. It's gone racing by on the left-hand side to about 10 feet. Should I hit a nine iron? Well, I could have. Should I have chipped the ball from over the green rather than putt? I could have. Tom Watson has a 10-foot putt to win the Open Championship again and to lift the claret jug for the sixth time. Here's the putt, and it's weak, and it's short, and he's left it to the right of the hole. He pops it in, and it is a playoff, an American playoff between Tom Watson and Stuart Sink. You knew as soon as that ball left the blade, that thing was not even gonna reach the hole. And, and I, I think it was pretty easy for everyone to write and even to say, that was the first time he really showed his age all week. His age and somewhere where, you know, he'd got history with previously, you know, with Nicholas, that's one of the Opens that everybody remembers, the Jew and the Sun. It would have been incredible to win the Open at nearly 60. It would have been a, one of them Opens that 
everybody would remember for forever, really. When Jack called me uh, in the hotel room afterwards, and he described the 18th hole to me. It was He said, you know, Tom, you hit great tee ball. The second shot, if it stops six inches shorter, you win the tournament. The third shot, you played the shot that wouldn't lose you the tournament. Then the putt. And I said, but the last putt, then you hit it like everyone, all the rest of us would have hit it. And he laughed and I laughed. And, and uh, you know, it was, it, it was a nice moment. Uh, but I thought Tom was fantastic. He played great. We rooted for him. And it just, uh, uh, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't meant to be in the end. I remember the roars of the crowd as, as Tom Watson came up. The amount of like American fans around me just chanting his name, putting the American flag up with pride and nationalism, which was a fantastic show of just how passionate people are about this spot and how passionate they are about the golfers within it. I remember my dad, he was um, saying when he, Tom Watson was going to have to play, he's like, I have a horrible feeling he's going to miss it. Please don't miss it. Please don't miss it. He, he couldn't even watch. The moment was one that uh, I'll never forget. The crowd beside me were desperately willing Tom to get this putt in. But history tells you that it went agonisingly close and went past that and that hole. I had palpable disappointment, I'll be honest. Um, I'm such a, a huge Tom Watson fan. And if, if I'm honest, I think, I think like most of the crowd, we knew the playoff was coming. And I think we felt that, that, that at that moment, Tom had perhaps missed that opportunity. I'm sure if you asked him, it's probably the worst putt he's ever hit in his whole professional career. It just unfortunately lacked authority and positivity. And I think once that missed, I think everybody, even Tom, knew that there was only going to be one winner of that playoff. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. May I welcome you to the playoff to decide the winner of the 138th Open Championship. The way I approached the playoff is um, probably what ultimately ended up with me having somewhat of an edge there. And that is that I knew I was going to be playing against Tom and I knew he was going to be the favorite. I knew history was being, was, it was on the verge of being rewritten in a way. And I didn't want to fall victim to that historical moment, but yet I also understood the importance of it and I didn't want to trample on it. And I know most people think I trampled on it, but I, I didn't want to disrespect it and not give it its weight. And so this is going to sound so simple and probably you're going to be like, wait, that's your strategy. But after the 15 or 20 minutes I had to sort of think about like, what's my plan going to be? The grand scheme that I came up with was this. I want to get to the T second. <laughs> I don't know how far Sink is away and whether this is a little bit of an old delaying tactic. I don't know where his buggy is. I don't know what he's up to. And just keeping the old boy waiting. Is this a little move? I don't know. I want Tom to get there first. I want to get to the tee second. And the reason is because I didn't want to be standing on the tee when Tom walked up and there was that thunderous applause and everybody yelling, you can do it, Tom. Come on, we're behind you. I already knew they were behind him. I didn't need to hear that. My plan was to get to the tee second so he would at least hear a little bit of applause for me. You know, just, I mean, even if it was just perfunctory because they had to <laughs> applause. Yeah, that was very good. Um, no, that was not something that, I suggested, or that was just Stuart being very self-aware of the situation that he was about to get into. You know, most of the time you go out there together, obviously, for a playoff. No, I thought that was brilliant to let Tom get there first and let all that die down. And uh, I'd like to take credit for that, but no, that was all Stuart. So we all get in the buggies. There's hundreds of buggies out there taking people out to the 50. And I'm on my buggy with a, a driver. And we're all going on the same path, basically. You know, you go crossing number one, number three, fairway. And you're in between fairways, you know, links courses are these dunes and sandy paths. 
and everybody's were just weaving their way through the terrain. And I told my driver, I need to go to the restroom. And this is all part of my plan, right? I want to go to the Porta John. I knew there was a Porta potty right there uh, off the tee on the five, about 80 yards. So that was my target. And she said, no, no, we have to go straight to the tee. And I said, we are going to the bathroom. So <laughs> she's, she says, oh, okay, okay, I, I guess so. And we veered off the, and I love telling this story. You may feel that. <laughs> we veered off the track with the other carts and it was like a, a wildebeest being separated from the herd. We were wandering through new paths and suddenly we come over this one hump and at the other side of the hump was the gallery rope. And we were in a cart with no top, just a convertible top. And my driver doesn't have time to slow down and she is about to go plowing into this gallery rope and I jump out of the cart going full speed into the weeds. I've got grass up to my knees or higher. I'm standing there with my heart rate about 150 beats a minute, sweating in the cold. And she plows into this gallery rope and the rope lodges under the steering column and the stakes come up flying. There's dust everywhere. She slams on the brakes. I mean, it's like a car crash. And I'm standing there in the weeds. I just like, what is going on right now? And she's okay. Nobody got hurt, but I just told her I'll walk the rest of the way. <laughs> it was just a little bit more to the Porta John. So I walked across and just closed the door in the Porta John. Of course, I had nothing to do in there. I didn't have to go to the restroom or anything. I was just waiting. And my heart is pounding. And now I'm in the Porta John enclosed and it's a thousand degrees. And uh, I'm just looking in this mirror in the Porta John at myself like, you got to get a grip. You know, your heart rate's through the roof. You got a major to play for right now. And then I remembered my strategy was to be second to the T and I was calmed by the fact that I'm still working my plan. And so um, I, I stayed there for what seemed like 10 minutes. It was probably about 40 seconds. And I heard the crowd. I heard the rousing applause. I heard the, the rolling thunder and everybody was cheering Tom on. You know, once I heard the applause start to build, I opened the door and a couple deep breaths and made my way back up to the fifth tee. And then Sure enough, when I got there, they also started to applaud lightly, but still. Not showing any great sign of urgency. Tom got to hear a little bit of applause from me, and I made my little entrance, and so that's how we started the playoff. It's fitting. You've got Tom Watson hitting the playoff tee shot with the driver at the fifth. Ailsa Craig in the background. A beautiful low sun on the water just west of the Turnbury course. Here he goes. First hole, four holes. That's a cracking tee shot. Tom drew the first number of uh, for hitting in the playoff. And I mean, his drive in the playoff was like absolutely perfect. And I hit kind of slapped me into like, wake up, son. <laughs> this guy's not going away. And I mean, it was a perfect drive on a probably, I would say the toughest driving hole uh, at Turnberry. Left to right wind. He hit driver. It was a two iron shot for me, but he hit driver and just perfect. And I hit a good drive right after him. And then um, I made a really good up and down from the sand on that first playoff hole, and that gave me a lot of confidence. Tom Watson knocking in at the first extra hole in the playoff of the 2009 Open. Bogey five for Tom Watson. Stuart Sink has a chance for a par. Eight feet to take a one-shot lead. One ahead. Then Tom made a miraculous up and down on the next hole, and I had to make about a four-foot putt to keep my lead. And I just maintained my composure all the way through, and Tom had trouble in the high grass on, on 17 after he hit it left. Oh, Thomas, not the place to be. I don't know if I can get it out of there, Ox, but I better give it a try. In truth, the four-hole playoff never looked like a fair fight. The statuesque sink 
was fresh, strong and vibrant and towered over a diminished Watson who suddenly seemed reduced, suddenly looked more like the man approaching 60. He really was. The way I'm hitting it, I might hit you. <laughs> Although Watson fashioned an unlikely and rather amazing par at the second extra hole, the third put the veteran in a whole lot of trouble. I remember thinking at the time that if this had been a boxing match, the referee would probably have moved in to stop it. He's going to be two over if he holds this, Tom Watson. Groans will say it all. Yeah. Shove to the right, and uh, that's an ugly seven. And that is that, I'm afraid. Tom Watson, three over through the three playoff holes. So Stuart Sink with a putt to give himself a four-shot lead heading to the final playoff hole. Stewart did what he had to do. When you're playing, you're, you know, you're looking at the scoreboard and you say, what do I have to do? He kind of did what he had to do, um, and I didn't. You can't wait to finish this hole, Tom Watson. You can't wait to get off the golf course now. Now the reception is for Watson. Tom Watson, winner here in 1977, 32 years ago, and he has given everyone a championship to remember. My thoughts is he hit basically almost every shot. He had a really good shot in the playoff. He didn't miss a shot in the playoff. He didn't miss a shot. Stuart Sink never flinched in that short-lived Turnberry duel with Watson. And by the time he reached the 18th tee, Stuart held a four-shot lead over his older rival. It was all over. Watson knew his chance had gone. Everyone did. And now Sink could joyously turn on the style in his last few shots on the Ailsa course. And so, the hard-earned final moment of the 2009 Open belonged to Stuart Sink. The Open Championship is there to be won by Stuart Sink to win the Open Championship. In it goes. Stuart Sink looks to the heavens takes off his cap, arms aloft, waves his club in the air, and Stuart Sink is the new Open champion, warmly greeted by Tom Watson. I said, congratulations, you just won the Open Championship. I'm happy for you. Your name goes on a trophy that has you know, the greatest names in, in the history of golf on it. You know, I always love playing in the Open. And I just, I always love playing links. Something about the love of that style of golf, I think, makes it more, it causes me to maybe forgive the mistakes a little bit more and um, go easier on myself. It's just always been a pleasure to play on the links. And ladies and gentlemen, with a score of 278, the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer of the year is Stuart Sink. Yeah, just sitting in that moment and knowing that we could just relish it. There's not many times in life where you kind of go, I just want to hang out in this moment and understand that this is, you know, for once things are just great and the way you want them to be and, you know, nothing's ever perfect, but it was, it was certainly special and we knew it was and to be together to celebrate it because so many times we weren't yeah we we just wanted to hold on for a few more moments <laughs> tom watson has a 10-foot putt to win the open championship again i remember writing that the, the putt never had a chance and and after that neither did watson so from a from a journalistic you know standpoint 
I just pulled it up on my screen right now. Stuart Sink doesn't make my story until the fourth paragraph. And I think when you look back at 09, that's what you're going to think of. When you say 09 Turnberry, the first image that comes to your mind, I think, is going to be Tom Watson. And it takes nothing away from Stuart. He didn't do anything wrong. He hit all the shots he needed to, to to win, and he was a proper open champion. But that week is about Tom Watson. When everyone thinks Turnberry, people say Tom Watson. They won't remember Stuart Sink. There's nothing against Stuart Sink on that. It's just everyone remembers Tom Watson had a chance to win the Open at 59 years old. It's obviously a shame for Stuart Sink to not get the credit and the accolades that he deserves. A lot's been said before and after about um, how how Stuart Sink took that honour away from Tom of becoming the oldest player to win a, um, a, an Open Championship. But that's golf. That's the game. That's the game. That's the way it goes. Like Tom Watson himself said and recognised, you know, some you win, some you lose, and he recognised it. That was Stuart Sink's moment. It definitely is something where I've been able to say, yeah, I was there. I remember the emotions that happened there when people still talk about it and say Tom Watson and you see him at other open and say, oh, he came so close to it. And it brings back those memories as if it was yesterday. In so many respects, Tom Watson was the story of 2009, except that the engraving on the old claret jug says otherwise. For some, Stuart Sink played an almost villainous role on that final day, but this was not golfing larceny. Sink came to Turnbury with no expectations and won the Open, his one and only major win, and he played brilliant links golf to close it out by six shots in that playoff in the end. That's a great story in itself. It's just that, in so doing, he denied the world perhaps the greatest tale ever told in golf, if not in sport. To me, that's, uh, that's part of the game of golf. You know, you tip your hat, take your hat off, you show respect to your fellow competitors. You want to beat their brains out, but you show respect to your competitors because it's their respect for the game that uh, we're instilled with. You know, hopefully you never lose that. Do you think he gets the respect he deserves for being no. an Open champion? No. It's never bothered me that people think of that as the Open that Tom Watson didn't win instead of the Open that Stuart Sink did win. I laugh at that. It's fine. I was really proud of the way I played, especially coming off of basically a year of really down performance for me to come in there and, and really play the kind of golf that I knew I was capable of playing. And so um, I don't really play golf to receive credit from outside. And so the names on the Claret Jug and in my heart, I know what happened that week and I know what was accomplished. Stuart Singh looks to the heavens, takes off his cap, arms aloft, waves his club in the air, and Stuart Singh is the new Open champion. I never thought of it as a credit thing. I mean, my name's on the Claret Jug. Whatever other credit is there that you need? <laughs> This has been an original audio production from The Open.